Welcome to Originality, the podcast where we talk about and explore the roots of creativity and creative genius. I am one of your hosts, Aline Sims, and I am joined by my good friend, Kay Tempest Bradford. Tempest! Hi. Hi. How are you? I I am fine. It's been... It's been a time. I just got <laughs> back from a, a a month long trip. I'm ready to not go anywhere for a while, which is a weird thing for me to say. I was like, gonna say, you know, the value of the same bed every night. Woo! Let me tell you, are you it's getting pretty used valuable. to it? Yes. Yeah. Even though the bed that I have is an air mattress, but it's a really good air mattress, and I enjoy it. So there you go. Good. Um, well, I went to, so we're recording this at the end of June and a few weeks ago I was at WWDC, which is Apple's worldwide developer conference. Ooh. Um, so I had a little bit of travel too, and I just wanted to say there were several people, um, who came up to me and said that they listened to the show and they really liked the show. And I wanted to say, um, thanks to all of you who, who came up. Um, I know, Sometimes it kind of takes work to uh, to go up to somebody who you kind of know, but who doesn't necessarily know you. So I wanted to say thanks. It really meant a lot to me. And um, Tempest, I haven't, this is actually the first time we're talking in a while. So I haven't had a chance to tell you about that yet, but I will once we stop recording. Yay. So exciting. Yeah. Um, well... Do you want to tell people about today's episode? It's kind of a surprise for me. I haven't had a chance to listen to the audio in advance, so I'm super excited. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so today's episode um, is actually an interview with a bunch of different people instead of just one person, Um, and and you'll get to be introduced to them in just a bit. But essentially, this is... um, a group that I belong to, and we call ourselves the Make Art Not War Collective. Um, I feel like at some point we should probably change our name to the Make Art Not War Coven, because Coven just sounds more better. It does. <laughs> it sounds I more like interesting. It. <laughs> um, and there are a lot of different reasons why I wanted to have a conversation with them for this podcast. But first, let's get to the introductions. Hello, everyone. I'm Princess Alethea Contis, and I love trees, and I like writing books, and I write for NPR and various other things, and I pretty much monetize every moment of my life, and I have a Patreon to do that with. Hi, I'm Monica Valenzinelli. I am a uh, writer and game designer, and I write books and, and games and comics, and I also love trees, and I also love art. Hi, I'm Shweta Takrar, and not surprisingly, I also have a fondness for trees. Forests are pretty magical. Um, I also write uh, fantasy, very lush fantasy with uh, Desi main characters, and often draw on the Hindu mythology of my own faith and folklore. And um, I'm very excited because my debut novel, Star Daughter, comes out next year. Hi, my name is Dina Light. I am a science fiction and fantasy novelist. And when I'm not novelizing, I am writing short stories. Uh, my next novel will, is called Persephone Station. It's a feminist science fiction novel. And it will come out in 2020 
maybe spring, maybe summer. I don't know which yet. Um, you can find me easily on Twitter and Facebook. And my last name is spelled L-E-I-C-H-T. It's pronounced light like the beer. There's one person uh, who's in our group that is missing um, because she's an extremely busy person. <laughs> and so she, she wasn't able to like come and be with us today. But uh, that is Leanna Renee Heber, who is also an author. She writes um, gothic gas lamp fantasy. Um, and she is a good friend to several of us. That's quite a group. Yeah. So we have, um, basically we, I started a Slack for us and it's the, the way that at the time I was like feeling was a very good way to sort of communicate in a group. I'll talk about why I would choose something different now later in the podcast, but, um, mostly it was just, I wanted all of us to like be together in some kind of group chat. And I knew everybody who's in this group prior to us getting together like this, but um, not everybody in the group knew each other. Because what I did was when I first proposed this to Monica about having this group, uh, I said, you know, I want you and me to be in it and I want Alethea and then we should each pick like one other person to be in it who who you think will like work with the group. And so I think Monica chose Stina. Uh, she knew Stina before. Um, I asked Shveta to come and Alethea asked Leanna to come. And so that's how we sort of formed the the initial group together. And it's been really wonderful watching all of them get to know each other better. Um, because as I said, some people knew each other prior to this, but some people didn't. And the people who didn't know each other are getting to know each other much better. And it's just, it's lovely to watch. So hooray. And what about what, why did you decide to create this group? Like what is, what is your goal? Well, my goal was originally just to bring together people who I don't know how like what quality I don't know if I can explain the quality of people that I wanted but it, there was like a certain quality that I wanted in a group because I have a couple of other different group chats that I belong to and each one is sort of centered around a certain kind of quality or a certain kind of experience some of it's like black ladies having a great time chatting with other black ladies and some of it's like cool people I know that we all know each other and let's like all get together and be in this like one little Google hangout. So, um, I was looking for something for basically Monica, Alethea and I, because we had formed like a tight little group. And then there's also this other thing that Monica was doing called the make art, not war challenge. And so I'll let her explain that and explain like what her initial idea for that was. Yeah. So um, when Make Our Not Worse started, it was the idea was that um, a lot of artists and creators I was talking to were feeling depressed, dejected, very, um, you know, very unmotivated to make art because there's so many things going on in the world today and people didn't understand why being an artist and making things for other people to enjoy mattered. Um, people were, a lot of people were putting themselves down, trying to figure out their place in this larger landscape when there's so many, you know, very 
dark and depressing things going on in the headlines. So when I started the Make Art Not War Challenge, it was a reminder to both myself and to other people that, you know, life goes on and we are making art for people to enjoy as a reprieve from the things that are happening, um, but also to share, to empower, to show people that they're not alone. Um, there's a lot of things that art can do as a vehicle. And I'm a big believer in the power of storytelling, um, whether that's in games or stories or comics or what have you. So when it started, it was, you know, here's ways to stay motivated, to stay disciplined, how not to get super distracted, um, something we all struggle with. And then from there, it's just kind of grown where people have started doing their own things, um, not necessarily so much online in the public face, but behind the scenes, private slacks, private video chats, private work parties, et cetera, um, to basically try to remember and remind ourselves that, you know, despite everything that's going on in the world, we're artists and making art is what we do. Yeah, definitely. Um, so with this group, originally Monica's Make Art Not War posts and and stuff that she was doing online weren't really catching on as much. And I think it was, there were a lot of things about that, but I think partly it was just because uh, around the time when she started thinking about this, which is 2016, you know, the year that she'll not ever be named. <laughs> um, oh God, the year that she'll oh, not be named. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, a lot of people had just really sort of, they were taking a break from social media or they were not engaging in social media the same way they were before. And a lot of the way that she was sort of putting stuff out there was through social media. And so I think just a lot of people missed it. Um, but the other thing was, is that I felt like the kind of goals that she had for make art, not war worked better in a setting where it it was like a small group of people, you know, just thinking about, the things that she was writing about and thinking about how to support each other through times of great terribleness <laughs> and, and how to sort of have that bolster to keep making art, even in the face of all this nastiness. And so I said, you know, maybe, yeah, we, what we need is a smaller group for this. And that is when I first floated the idea to Monica about forming a group around the Make Art Not War banner. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that we've talked about, I think, quite a bit because it has been for me, for you, for I'm sure a lot of people listening. It's been really hard the last few years to for me. I mean, I've had a lot going on, but a lot of it feels like taking time out to be creative almost feels simultaneously like selfish and pointless mm -hmm. and I definitely see the need for having a small space where you can take time time to honor that creativity and um and actually put effort into it whereas being public, sometimes it feels like I've got to be paying attention to and pushing for change on these big, big issues. But there's this part of myself, and I think for other people too, but I can only speak to my experience. But there's so there's this part of myself that just feels like 
it's really, really selfish to try to use that time and energy on anything but, you know, like changing the political system and, you know, yeah. So I am really, really glad that, that you and Monica were like, oh, this is, this is a a direction to take that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I knew that that was going to be important, but I was actually very inspired by Monica's example and like the stuff that she was writing about with the make art, not war challenge. And I mean, Monica is basically a very inspiring person. I mean, we've had her on the podcast before and, (laughs) and just the, the idea of, Focusing on art and realizing that art is just as important in times like these as other kinds of action because narrative is powerful. So, yeah, like that was a big thing that really motivated me to to want to do this and to want to gather people around me who felt the same way. Um, and then during this interview, I was I was asking them um what was so appealing to them about joining the group? The thing that made them say, yes, I want to be a part of this because I, I was part of one of the conversations for like bringing somebody into the group, but I was not part of all of them. And so I had wondered like, what was the thing that made them go like, yes, I want to, I want to do this. I want to be a part of this. Well, Tempest, I remember Alicia and you had, we we were all having dessert at uh, ICFA, which is the International Conference for the Fantastic and the Arts in Orlando last March of last year. And you were telling me about this. And I was a little skeptical, not because I didn't trust you, but just there can be sometimes drama in some of these groups. And I've experienced some of it and didn't really want to do that again. And, you know, I try to be, yeah, I just try to do my own thing and be kind to people. And so I was a little not sure that I wanted to do that. But you actually said, what what convinced me was you said, it's actually that quality that we're trying to find here. People who do want to be kind and caring and can support one another while nasty stuff is happening outside so we can keep each other from getting too embittered or too sad. And I said, okay, well, I'm definitely on board for that. (laughs) For me, uh, I needed a safe space because I had just come out of a really bad, I don't even know what to call it without giving away details, but a really bad scene. I'd come out of a really bad scene and we had actually, thank you Shweta for mentioning ICFA because I had forgotten that the intervention happened before ICFA, which was when Tempest and Monica and Leanna all sort of sat me down and we did a conference call. Tempest and Leanna were actually here, but Monica we conferenced in because I was just going through some stuff and I needed some help. And I call it the intervention um, and make our not war collective sort of started after that. And it, for me, it was, it was my safe space to go and to express feelings and not be um, afraid to express those feelings. And that was really valuable to me. It still is. Yeah. I wanted to make some connection. I've been looking to make more connections with women in my life. And when the opportunity came up, I just, I snatched it. I, I was part of a previous group that there was some drama going on and I had to let go. And ultimately I, I found another one that, that works better for me, I feel. So uh, thanks for having me. (laughs) I have a couple of spaces I feel 
like are similar to this, except it's more friend groups. And we kind of, the way they started was like a splintering of larger groups. Mm -hmm. So it was part of like a big group. And then there was like a group of us who got along really well within that. And that we were like, you know, forget these other people. (laughs) We're going to (laughs) go just talk about our stuff and this other thing also in Slack. Um, and that's been, um, it's, it's not, it's not about making art or creativity or whatever, although all of us are fairly creative people kind of doing our own thing, but it's just kind of a place where we can go and make sure we're not losing touch and that kind of thing. So it's definitely kind of that that bit about like being a, a place where I can go talk and be honest and get uh, get feedback and input and commiseration is has been so, so valuable to me. Yeah. I mean, in our Slack, it's about 50% art stuff and 50% life stuff. You know, um, some days we're just talking about whatever is going on with us or whatever is going on in like struggles with our career, struggles with like dealing with the current political climate. Um, There is an awful lot of talk about getting off of Twitter. (laughs) Oh, we need to have an episode about that. But yeah. Get off of Twitter uh, and getting off of Facebook and how to get that done. Um, And that, you know, that I find to be very valuable for my art, just, you know, being able to talk about that life stuff. Um, We even have like a a channel that we created in Slack called Executive Function because several of us do not have executive function. And so it's all about like tips and tricks for like how to how to deal when you don't have executive function. And that is (laughs) right. Right. But it's so important and valuable to talk about, you know, when you're an artist, as we have discussed on this podcast many times, like how to actually give yourself the space to get things done um, and, and give yourself permission to not do all the things that you should be doing Um, more of that should business. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, you know, even though, when I first talked to Monica about doing this project um, and I said, you know, we should gather like a few core people. I never really specified like it should all be women, but it's not a mistake that our group ended up being all women. Um, I think that there's just, you know, there's something about having a group that is, that we have like that's that, that particular way of moving through the world in common, even though like we're all different kinds of women and our intersections are very different. Uh, but it's important. And that's not to say that I would even necessarily leave out non-binary or genderqueer or, you know, it has to only be cisgender women. Um, I just think that there's, there is something that is powerful in like when you are part of a marginalized group, which women still are having like that space that's just for people in that marginalized group. Um, and when, during the course of our conversation, Stina also talked uh, a lot about this. I'm really, really happy to have found a group that is primarily women because I felt, feel like I live in Texas and a lot of the places where I started off as a writer, like slug tribe, and Turkey City were very masculine oriented energy wise and 
could be at times quite adversarial. And I needed something more nurturing. And that's what I found with this group. Yeah, I can really relate to that. I can really relate to that. Yeah. Is the 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 various groups, like small groups that you belong to, do they tend to be more women or like people who have feminine energy, I guess you could say? <laughs> yeah, the 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 primary group I'm thinking of when I talk about this is women and transgender people. Um, mm-hmm. of various genders. So um, there's a lot of, I, it, not necessarily, like you were saying, like marginalization, experiencing marginalization in the same way, but kind of having um, a a perception of gender as we move through the world that is similar or that is not like the cisgender male norm, I think is part of what kind of bonds us together because it really is it's interesting because um speaking of going to WWDC tech is still male dominated space and it's it's weird being a woman at WWDC even as fortunate as I am to have um chiseled out a space in in that community so that I have friends and I have friend groups and stuff. Um, it, it's still weird and it still can be really hard and alienating. And I I think that's part of what makes, makes the specific friend group, the specific Slack I have so valuable is because we can talk about the news through the lens of gender and how how things are impacting um, not just women, but people with uteruses. And, you know, it's it's really, really important. And at no point are we belittling each other because that's an experience I have on Twitter, right, where I say, I said the other day, WWDC is still kind of alienating. There still aren't a lot of women there. And I have people coming in and saying, oh, well, you're racist and sexist because you said that there are a lot of white men at, white men at WWDC. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's not, that's, that's, no. So what? this is a space where I can go and I can be like, hey, there are a lot of white dudes here. And we still, we, like, we have a lot of work to do. And I don't have people saying, well, why are you attacking me for being a white man? Um, yeah. Because that's not what I'm doing. It's not what I, and I know you know that, but like yeah. it's not, that's not what's happening. It's just saying this is a really alienating space for half of the population approximately. Yeah. yeah. And it's important to be able to like have that, to have conversations with people where basically your reality matches up with their reality yeah. and your sensibility matches up with their sensibility. Um, One of the group chats that I'm in is... Now, I haven't counted lately, but I'm pretty sure that the majority of the people in there are black women. But there are several white women who also are in that space. But the reason why they're in that space with us is because they are the kinds of white women who, when we say, uh, this, you know, happened and why is, you know, whiteness this way and whatever. And they're not going to be like, but I'm white. And so therefore, no, like they right. are well aware <laughs> of the problems that come with like white supremacy and whiteness of the system and all that, like those things are not like 
argued or negotiate or any of that. Like they just understand it. And that is why we as black women enjoy having those other women in conversation with us because that base reality and that base understanding is there for all of us. And that's, it's so important. It is so important to have that. Um, Cause like that space in that space, we're also uh, all of us creative people. Not all of us are writers, but we're all creative people. Um, but that wasn't sort of the basis of why we came together in that particular group. Mostly it was because we were all like friends together and, and we just wanted just like a, just a chat for all of us to to come together and be like, this is what's going on with our lives. And just the, you know, to be able to come to that space and talk about those things. And it's just very freeing. Yeah. And, and yes, <laughs> you know, because it's also really exhausting to be that person on the internet. Who's like, you know, there are, you know, talking about the realities of being a person of color in the United States, um, as a white person and, well, not even as a white person, but talking about those realities and then strangers from the internet coming in and being like, why are you racist against white people? Well, one, you can Google and figure out, like, (laughs) I'm not here to do your one-on-one level of education all the time. Like, yeah, I've been there. I've done that for years. I'm not doing it anymore. And it's funny because when I started from this place of, I don't, I don't want to call I like, I don't want to call myself an advocate or an ally or anything like that. Um, I don't feel like that's a label I can, I can give myself or that I've earned or whatever, but like coming from the space where it's like, okay, I can see that things suck in these specific ways for people who aren't white. And not only do they suck, there's like a very rear, a very real, um, issue of mortality and quality of life for people who are not white and violence at the hands of people who are not white. And I used to be very much like, yes, I will take the time to educate you. And when people who had been doing this for a long time are like, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't have the energy for that anymore. I used to be like, but how else are you going to help people if you don't help them understand blah, blah, blah. Like I used to very much be there. And now I'm like, you know what? I've been doing this for like six years. I'm tired of it. I'm not doing it anymore. Someone young and enthusiastic can do it now. And I totally get where they were coming from. And I was like, I'll never do that. And it's like, no, I get it. It's exhausting. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel all of that. So, but going back to the point, like having spaces where you can, where you can talk about stuff with nobody barging in, with everybody at a basic level of understanding, where you can have these conversations, these deeper conversations, or feel safe inventing your frustrations or, or talking about how it affects your art or whatever that is. It's really, really important to find those spaces where you can be open and honest and get the support that you need because you need support in those moments. Yeah, definitely. And, and this is, you know, some of the stuff that um, Monica talked about in the interview um, when we were talking about just reasons why the group works, why the group is really strong. A lot of the problems that we face in our own individual focus for art, whether that's middle grade or young adults or adults or whatever market or audience or vertical we end up doing, a lot of the problems we face are the same 
because the issues that we're facing are systemic. And having the ability to say, hey, this is something that I'm dealing with. Is this something that, is this just me? Is very validating. Um, but it also helps unpack those situations so we can move on in a, in a better way and a faster way. Because there's a lot of people that kind of get crushed under the weight of what they don't know, where they think, you know, maybe I did something wrong or maybe not understanding that, hey, you know, you could have written the best book or best game ever, but it just wasn't a good fit for the market at the time. And instead of taking it to the deepest, darkest place imaginable, when you have people to bounce off those things with, it's a way of kind of just getting that gut check so you can make better decisions for yourself. Um, at the same time, I feel like one of the reasons why this group is very strong is because we all trust each other that we know what's best for our careers. Um, I've never really felt like anybody's gone in there and said, you must do this for your career, which is, which is part, partly how I've seen groups fall apart where people get you know super preachy or super judgy you don't have this specific thing on your resume. You don't have this. Um, and, and that's kind of refreshing is that because we're all doing things in our own way and mastering them in our own way. And that's something that I, I really enjoy about it. Yeah. That's one of the things that I really enjoy about our group as well. Um, and that is true of a lot of the different communities that I belong to just being able to, to come to people and be like, no judgment or I, I don't feel judgment for them. And I'm like, here's what's going on with me. And here's how I feel about it. And here are the struggles that I'm going through. And to have somebody just be like, either just say, okay, I'm just here to listen to you because that's what you need. Or I'm here to give you advice if that's what you need. Or I'm just here to say like, that sucks and is bullpucky and you shouldn't have to be going through that. Maybe that's what I need. Um, and that's that's really important. Like not only having that, but like, being able to know somebody well enough that you can determine if that is what they need or just being able to like come into a space and say, I need to vent right now, but I do not need solutions. I just need mm -hmm. to yell and people being like, cool, go for it. Yeah. And also having a, a space where you feel like you can set those expectations without hurting feelings. Yes. Or being able to like, if you, if you don't state, um, because I'm not always good at telling people what I need from a situation. So I, you know, if I went in ranting, looking for support and people were trying to problem solve and I said, actually really what I'm looking for is some commiseration right now. Like being in a community where you feel like you can say actually what, this is what I need, like retroactively. I really appreciate what you're trying to do. What I've learned about myself through that is like, what I really want you to do is validate and tell me that everything sucks right now. <laughs> and yes. that's okay. Cause there are groups where you can't do that, where people will get mad or their feelings will get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's tough because then you're in a situation where you're like, oh crap, now I've hurt somebody. Yeah. And all I needed was just for somebody to be like, that sucks. You, those other people are the worst. They are the worst. Always yeah. the worst. Everybody outside the group is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, and it's hard because all of us belong to other communities, right? You know, there are like the sort of 
large communities like, you know, YA writers and middle grade writers and writers of science fiction and, uh, you know, women writers. I belong to a lot of the the binder groups on Facebook where um, that is like women, genderqueer, non-binary people, basically like folks who aren't cis men can come to the binders. Um, and even though like those sort of large group communities can be useful, um, they don't, they, they serve a different function and a different purpose to these. And, and I feel like just the fact that also we all belong to like different kinds of groups, um, because Monica is very heavily into gaming. And so she's like in the gaming communities and Alethea writes picture books. And so she is more well-versed in like children's book communities. And then there's like the YA community. And then Stina is like epic high fantasy. And so like is hanging out with those communities. So, you know, we all bring something from, from those larger communities into our smaller space. Uh, and that's good to have, but, but yeah, like sometimes you just, you need like something smaller. Um, and because of the fact that, that all the people in the group like do belong to like different kinds of communities, I, I asked them, you know, what, what would make for the best kind of artistic community, whether it's like a small one or sort of a like large umbrella one. Um, oh, and I should mention before we play this clip that people keep talking about Sifwa. <laughs> and so Sifwa is like the short name for science fiction and fantasy writers of America or science fiction and fantasy authors. I think that's the technical name now. Is it? So, okay. Yeah. I've never heard it called Sifwa. I think I'm realizing right now that I've only seen it written. And so I just did an initialism SFWA Sifwa. Okay. Well, I want to piggyback on what Monica said about us all trusting that we know what's best for our own careers, because that's true. I really like that we can just come in here and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And everyone's like, yay, do the thing. And then if somebody says, hey, I want to do this thing, but I don't know what it is. And somebody else might say then, oh, I know what that means. You know, I've done this particular thing before. This is what a proposal entails, et cetera, et cetera. And here's what you would need to do. Here's what you would need to look for. But and being ready to offer help if it's wanted, but not forcing it on anybody has definitely been nice because there definitely is a tendency out in the world for people to be like, well, you want to do a thing, so I'm going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. I don't care that you didn't ask me and that you don't actually want me to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway and shame me when you don't do it. So I'm, I'm really happy that we don't do that. But the other part is also, it is really nice that we can talk privately about stuff that's bothering us, whether it's personal or in our industry, and it won't go any further than or further than our Slack chat. You know, that's been really nice too. And to just be like, hey, I'm having a really bad day and other people to be like, what can I do to help? You know, or or our little gratitude talks about what we're happy for, what we're grateful for has been nice too. So I think it's just, a, I, what I like is that it, we've made a nourishing place, you know, a place that I want to come check into. Because I didn't even want to go on Slack, as you know, Tempest. (laughs) And yet here I am. There was a whole other Slack that I invited her to and everything. And she came in, she never showed up and she hid in a corner. (laughs) I was one of the founding members of the Codex Writers Group. So in that instance, it was one of those, if you can't find your tribe, just create one. And uh, it started out small. 
a little strike force and grew and grew and grew as we grew as professional writers. And then I think there is a tipping point uh, where the group sort of becomes too large, but also you have progressed so far in your career that you are giving more than you are receiving. And the it's not necessarily that the dynamic of the group changes, but who you are within the group changes. Um, I love Codex. I love everyone there. And they were there for me when I had some crazy stuff happen. Because apparently crazy stuff is always happening to me. But what I needed changed. And so for me, this group in particular was exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. And I think these smaller targeted in the giant, you know, there's CIFWA and there's uh, SCBWI and there are these giant national uh, organizations. There's Twitter and Facebook and all the groups that you can have there. But I just think the more targeted strike teams as they were are more effective. And I'm not really sure why. I don't have the psychology degree to back that up. I have a chemistry degree. So that I, that I can't answer. <laughs> Maybe someone else can talk about that a little better than I can. Well, I'll step in and say that they serve a different purpose. I, I believe that it's important to have the massive, uh, the massive groups such like CIPWA. Uh, because of legal issues, they are a, and the size and the weight that they can put behind the representation uh, for authors on a, on a legal front and anywhere else where weight is actually required. That's how I feel about it. I be, also believe that smaller groups are more important individually and emotionally and for support and every other aspect of that. But I feel like it's, it's really good to have both out there because as, as they say, one size does not fit all circumstances. So that's my feeling on it. Yeah. And it's really, really hard to be vulnerable and have hard conversations in large groups. Like I was talking about Twitter. Yeah. But, you know, even if you're on, like, I'm, I'm on a Slack team that has probably like a thousand people in it. And I never ever interact in there because it's just it's just it's too many way people. too many people <laughs> it's just too much yeah that is way too many people but the benefit of a smaller group is that um you know if you post something on that group and it leaks out well the list is very small <laughs> and we are extremely fortunate that we've built up the bonds of trust to be able to um not only maybe say something where you're not sure about and you need a second opinion but also to be the freedom to make a mistake right like because we're all not going to know everything there is to know about every opportunity that's out there and it's just nice to be able to have that ability where you don't have to watch every single thing that you say and with the larger groups even now i i would think that would definitely be the case um and that's just the way that social media has kind of progressed over the past couple of years is that even if you don't word a tweet precisely or if you misspell something, somebody's going to say something about it. We don't necessarily have that here. Um, I make fun of myself for my bad typos, but <laughs> but nobody else has. So it's a little bit less pressure, I think, is the word that I'm looking for. 
And I think that's part of the reason why this type of community is valuable, whether you find a group like ours or create one yourself, because you need the ability to just be as an artist. And without having that, it can really affect your work because you always feel like you're on or you have to be performative. Um, But I don't feel that way with this group at all. Yeah, that aspect. Oh, my God, it's so important because, yeah, in large groups, that whole thing where you say the wrong thing and suddenly it's all on the Internet. And, you know, sometimes sometimes things are revealed that I feel like should be known about a person. But at the same time, like people should always have safe spaces where they can go and just say whatever, even if it's something that I personally would find completely objectionable. Mm. Like sometimes you just need a space to like say that stuff. And, you know, I, I say stuff that is, I wouldn't say in public all the time (laughs) in my, in my group chats. Um, Not only because I, trust the people who are in them but also because like sometimes you just need the ability to just say some stuff that that is just like it's not public it should never be public it's not something that anybody needs to know but you and the people that you're close to well and also too it it gives you if you're with a group of people you trust so there's always the danger that you're going to fall into like an echo chamber right where you're you're saying stuff and people are just agreeing with it and you're not getting, you're not necessarily getting any, um, I was going to say pushback, but really I think what I mean is like a growth opportunity where, where people are like, okay, but can you, can you tell me what you mean by that? Because, you know, this is not, you know, this doesn't match my worldview. So maybe something needs to change here, you know, but also, um, well, I guess I kind of forgot where I was going, but like I'm looking, it's basically like, are there, are there places where you can learn safely? And, um, are there also places where you can express yourself safely and small communities are, are great for that. Um, I'm thinking of also like some of the things that people have said very publicly, like on Twitter that comes around to bite them in the butt, like seven years later. And it's like, okay, but I see where that was really bad. Totally and completely agree. What they said seven years ago was awful. Have they actually changed though? Like, is Mm -hmm. that a relic of past thoughts? And they've gone through a lot of evolution since then, you know? Um, And so maybe, I don't know if people can self-censor enough and know where to put things in smaller groups. um, There's like a little bit of safety maybe too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally does. Um, and, and it's a thing where also sometimes like not everybody is on the same, I don't even want to say level, but like they, they are not at the same understanding as other people in a group and having the smaller communities means that it's a little bit easier for you to bring somebody along to a better understanding of things without number one, making them like feel as though they are the worst person ever, right? right? Um, and also in a way that is that is very nurturing, but also respects your place as somebody who like often has to to bring this knowledge. For instance, um, in a group where some people are white and some people come from various groups of color, um, you may have one of the white people 
without intending to, um, puts like a lot of emotional labor on a person or just come in and say something that's like, mm, it's not okay. But because you know them and you know that they're not coming from a place of malice, that they're literally coming from a place of not understanding why what they said was not okay. Or, you know, it, it expresses like some, um, racist cultural baggage or is just like asking for too much emotional labor. It is possible to, to step back a bit and be like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and answer this question or I'm going to go ahead and address this thing, knowing that this other person is going to listen open-heartedly and, and be able to understand what I'm saying to them. And sometimes in a group, it even means like one person of color going to another and saying, I cannot handle this right now. I do not have the spoons. Can you please go and like deal with this situation? Mm -hmm. And then it happens. And it's like, so it's, you know, it's everybody, you know, supporting each other as well as everybody just being aware that, you know, sometimes they're just going to have to come in and be like, look, here's the deal with this. Um, And, and I feel like, that is that is also an important place for me to be as a person of color, um, knowing that I can have those conversations and I can be the backup for someone else who's like, I cannot deal with that issue right now. Can you please go deal with it? I it it makes me happy that I can be in a space where that happens and it doesn't mean that there has to be a huge emotional fallout and like a giant friendship fight (laughs) that goes on right that it is really just a matter of hey this this is what's going down this is the mistake you made and and the other person's like oh crap I didn't realize thank you for bringing that to my attention let me do better etc that is just it's so important I keep saying that in this podcast it's so important (laughs) But it is. Um, and and I like this is how it is in all of the little micro groups that I belong to, you know, and and sometimes it's I, I'm not always in the role of the person who has to like go educate somebody. I'm sometimes in the role of somebody who needs to be educated about, you know, something going on with somebody else's identity or whatever. And again, because I trust the people who are in those small groups with me, I can I can take whatever they have to say with an open heart. And even if I'm like, oh crap, I made a mistake. This is terrible. I'm not going to then lash out at them mm-hmm. because I made a mistake because I know that they're not going to tell me that I made a mistake or that I was wrong or whatever out of malice. Yeah. And yeah. And there's a lot going on with that too, in that it's really hard and something that I still struggle with is setting my ego aside when someone tells me that I've messed up, you know, and that's, that's hard. That's like, for me, a very conscious thing I have to do when someone's like, Hey, uh, (laughs) that wasn't great. And like my first response is always defensiveness. Like 100% of the time it's defensiveness, but keeping that internal until I can process what they've said without the defensiveness is really, really important. Um, yeah. Just a pro tip for people out there. Maybe don't say the first thing that comes to mind when, when people, uh, people tell you you've messed up. Yeah. But it, but even then, like when, when you do have, when you have a, a 
a tight group, that defensiveness, like even if that's something, if that's something that somebody knows about you, there are ways that they can sort of say like, I'm going to say this to you and then I'm going to leave you alone for a bit Mm, so that mm -hmm. you can have whatever defensive reaction that you are going to have and you can be in your feelings. And then like when you are ready, you could, we can come back and we have a discussion about it. You know, if that's what you need as a person, that's totally fine. Um, And, and that's the, the nice thing about having people in your life who are able to, not only recognize you and know that you recognize them um, to be able to like have that heart space to say, I'm going to let you go through the process that you need to go through so that we can both come out of this still friends with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In my marriage, it's Justin saying, I'm going to say something to you and it's going to make you mad. (laughs) And then because I'm a contrarian, I have to be like, it's not going to make me mad. (laughs) (laughs) And then I don't get mad. But him just like, I think it's just that acknowledgement that that he has something to tell me that he knows I'm probably not going to like just kind of gives me like that mental switch I need to like kind of prepare myself and know that I'm going to need to take a step back and consider and whatever. But I think that's part of like, again, part of the benefit of being with him for what are we at almost 12 years now is that he knows that about me, right? That I need some kind of cue. And it's the same thing when you're in a small friend group is that you get to know, you get to know what other people need um, to be able to hear what you, you have to say. And that's not, there are ways that that can get toxic, right? If, if you're in um, like abusive friend situations or romantic relationships or whatever, where you're like, you're always preparing yourself for the, the way someone else is going to react. But in situations like this, it's just like, Hey, I love you. And I I want you to know like, whatever the, you're maybe going to be upset with this, or I have something to say, and then I'm going to step back or you say the thing and then you step back or like, whatever that looks like, you just get to know how to treat your friends in a way that is, um, beneficial to everybody. Right. Because then they're not lashing out at you. Um, and, and again, abusive situations are totally different and that's not what I'm speaking to right now, but like, you're just, you're just not having those conflicts, um, in the way that you might, when you're, when you don't know somebody and you're like, I keep going back to Twitter because (laughs) my experience of Twitter is always like people lashing out at me or me lashing out at them because they've said something ridiculous to me or whatever. And, um, small groups are just great for being able to to help each other. I mean, really, I think that's the theme of the episode, right? Is it's it's finding a group of people who you love, whether that's romantically or friendshiply or whatever, who like you're in a journey of growth together. And that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it is. And it's also it's also really great to have people who you can um who you could do like work with uh and not necessarily like in a collaborative sense but just like the idea of being able to like get together with people and all of you just like work on your stuff together uh, I, is you and so I do nice. this listeners yes. Tempest and I will do like Zoom calls together for 
30 minutes to a couple of hours and we're not talking to each other. We're just like video. We've got each other on, you know, video and we're doing our own thing and we have our mics muted, but it's just nice having someone I can look up every once in a while and be like, Oh, Hey friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's the equivalent of writing with friends at the cafe. Right. And as with writing with friends at the cafe, sometimes you have to be like, okay, for like these, you know, this amount of time, we're not going to talk. Uh, but then we have a break and then we do talk. And so you get, and it's nice to also build in breaks, but it's also really great to be able to know that like, I'm going to concentrate for this amount of time and then I'm going to be able to talk to people and then I'm going to concentrate for this amount of time. And like, that's just one of the sort of benefits that I get out of, you know, the different groups. Cause like the, the Make Art Not Work Collective, we also have work parties and that's one of my favorite things uh, is that I go and I'm like, work party right now, let's go. And and then we do. And then we have an awesome time. And so, yeah, it's like that has benefited my art so much because just in a lot of different ways, but also just like having that time to concentrate on my art. But also when I go into a work party and we're like, OK, so what are we working on? And I don't say I'm writing. They're going to be like. Tempest. <laughs> Are you supposed to be writing today? Because you're doing a whole lot of stuff that's not writing. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And then they'll look up and be like, Tempest, are you playing a game on your phone instead of doing your work? And I'll be like, what? Let me just put this phone away. <laughs> I would never. This is important research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, obviously, like, they're not watching me 100% of the time because they're doing their own stuff. But like, yeah, it's just it's about accountability. So and and I asked like the other people in the group, like, what were the benefits that they felt like they had gotten like artistically out of the group? Because like we've talked a lot about like just the, like the benefits of having the people around and and the friendships and the knowing that you can say things and whatnot. But I was, I was specifically like, what about your art? Like, how is this? Cause that's how it started with, with art. So. I actually really like the work parties because they make me sit down and focus at a certain time. It, I feel like somebody's there holding me accountable, which helps considerably when I don't have a deadline. I'm not as disciplined. I'm not as self-disciplined as I actually really need to be to be a writer professionally, but I fake it. <laughs> so, and, and y'all help me fake it even more. So there's that. I agree. And I'm and now thinking about it. I think what's been helpful for me in particular is having this workspace to go to on pretty much a daily basis. Like you don't have to check in if you don't want to, or you're too busy or whatever, but you can, and probably people will be there when you do. And it's, it's almost like having an office, but you get to choose your colleagues, which is great. And it's made me actually start to have more. I mean, I always took writing professionally after I decided I wanted to do it back in 2006, but, but my mind shift about it being work has has definitely changed or my yeah my mindset has definitely shifted because now I am thinking in terms of what do I need to get done what's next on my plate but in a good way like it, being inspired by these other women seeing what the projects they have the ideas they have the plans and goals they have we certainly talked a lot about what we want to have happen in our careers and what we would think we need to do to get there so that's been really useful like I'm thinking now about you know what my what my next steps are for the novel that I have to turn in and what I, what's going to happen after that. And it's not, 
it's not nebulous in the way that it was before. It feels more like things I can actually do. So that's, that's been really wonderful for me. And I like that I get my shot, so to speak, of being around the writerly community without necessarily having to go out on social media, which lately hasn't been so great for me. So, yeah. I'm going to ditto the accountability and productivity for sure. And I'm going to add self-care because one of the great things about these work parties is that we do 30-minute sprints. And according to my physical therapist, I am not supposed to get in the zone. And every 20 to 30 minutes, I'm supposed to do things like drink water and stretch. And this actually forces me to do that. So in a space where I'm also being productive and being held accountable, I'm also being encouraged to take care of myself. And all of you always, we always encourage self-care amongst yes. each other. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that is so important right now and, and so important to me and I think like to the world. So I'm so glad we all do that. There's, there's a couple of times where I felt the work parties really helps me out quite a bit. Um, so I, I have seasonal affective disorder where um, the winters are far too long and climate change is great because sometimes, you know, it snowed last week here, which is great. You know, it's supposed to be spring. We got snow. And uh, when the polar vortex hit, I remember just feeling like I was trapped in my house. Um, you know, a lot of the businesses were shut down. It was really hard to go anywhere because it was so cold. And we did the work parties to kind of keep motivated. Um, I've done writing sprints before, sometimes with other people. But having the work parties, it feels a little bit more like it's an accountability thing as opposed to, um, for me, cause I have already got a lot of my long-term plans and whatnot set and accountability is huge because it's basically the way that you're looking at your work. When you write, you either write for a contract that you've already gotten or you're writing on spec for something that you don't know is going to happen. And I definitely have a lot more confidence than I did before writing on spec. And it's because of the work parties, because you know, you have to be able to trust that everything that we're doing is going to work out in some fashion, even if it's just for yourself, that writing for yourself is as important as anything else. And that joy that comes from finishing something is something we can share together. And that's, that's kind of the way that I'm wired is that, um, you know, writing is very solitary, but when we all finish something, it's kind of great to cheer each other on you know, we don't know what's going to happen after that. We don't know if it's going to hit the bestsellers list or fall to the bottom. I mean, you, you just don't know. But having that consistency of, no, we are here to work and we are showing up on a consistent basis and we are here to do the thing. Um, it's, it's a really good feeling. It's just kind of keeps you motivated and makes you feel like you're not alone. I want to say one last thing about that, Monica. You in particular, I have to say, have been so great about making sure to celebrate people when they do finish things, you know, and that, that's really wonderful. Like, you know, Monica surprised me with a card one day and just, and, you know, that I wasn't expecting at all. It was just so nice to realize, hey, I'm not working in the void. Like people are paying attention. They do care. And that's really, when you're a writer, that's really nice to get. It's, it's a, you know, writing is a lonely, a lonely thing. It's you and your your notebook or you and your computer. So having other people there with you is on the journey is wonderful. 
And it doesn't just have to be writing. I know this doesn't lend itself to like every creative endeavor. I know we have some composers who listen to the show and maybe it'd be a little hard to be, to have a work party if you're, you know, like friends with a bunch of composers or something. Um, But there are still things that you can do to have um, kind of the built-in community and accountability. Like, Find a friend group where you can set a goal for the day or set a goal for a couple of hours and say, okay, in the next two hours, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do whatever, an hour of painting and an hour of practicing guitar. um, And then I'm going to check in with you and let you know that I've done that. And then have people Mm -hmm. who are like, hey, did you actually do that thing? Yeah, there's lots of different ways to make that work. Um, And yeah, I just think that depend it's it's all going to be different depending on what kind of art you do and whatever but the base idea is just to to be able to get together with people and then have like say I'm going to set some goals and be accountable to each other and in in whatever way that works yeah you're right like I mean I could see how composers could do work parties because they just put it on mute and then they just go and like write and bang on a keyboard and whatever nobody has to hear them because you (laughs) put yourself on mute (laughs) Um, yeah, but yeah, it just, I cannot express how much I appreciate, enjoy being with this group of women and how much being with them has improved my ability to get my art done. And yeah, the writing, the work parties have a lot to do with that. I was going to ask you because you were asking the other people in the collective, but what about you, Tempest? What are the benefits you've seen for yourself? Um, Lots of different ones. And some of them were surprising to me and some of them I expected. I mean, obviously the accountability thing helps because then it's like, okay, I got to get this done because I told them that I was doing that thing. And um, we've, had a lot of conversations between ourselves about like the best way to bullet journal, <laughs> uh, a topic on which we have discussed many times yeah. um, and, and doing that and also getting the feedback of, or it's not even feedback. It's like, okay, I'll say, I'm going to try this new thing with my bullet journal. And then later on I'll go in and I'll be like, this was actually really effective for me. Um, remind me the next time I'm like, whoa, to me is bullet journaling and just say, remember Tempest, when you said that that thing over there worked for you, do, go do that again. Uh, and, and that's super helpful, but also unexpected inspiration. Um, one of the things that I personally was really happy about was the folks who didn't know each other or didn't know each other well in the group when we first started, like very quickly became friends and became like good friends. And, you know, things started happening, like people going to visit each other who had, you know, previously not known each other before they were in the group. Like suddenly they're like, I'm going to go hang out at Alethea's house, which is something that I do on a regular basis. So I want everybody to go hang out with Alethea because she's great. Um, And then out of that comes, you know, different things. For me personally, uh, Shveta came to visit me in Portland last year and we mostly it was just because we're like, she's like, I want to come to Portland. And I was like, here, I'll take you to all the places that I love. And in the course of that visit, she inspired me to write a short story. I haven't written a short story in like two years because I've been working on this novel. But, you know, she read me something that just, and 
then I was in the world of the short story and I had to write it. And that was all down to her. Um, I went to visit Alethea uh, this this winter. I guess it was the winter. And Monica came as well. So we were together for a week. And in the course of that week, we did a whole lot of artistic work together. But the thing that stood out to me was that like, I was talking to them about my novel and my novel structure fell apart in front of my eyes and I was like sobbing in a corner and then Alethea and Monica like helped me put my novel back together and they encouraged me they were like no this is fine like these things happen like they wouldn't let me sit in a pit of despair (laughs) the whole time where I was like freaking out about my novel structure falling apart and between all three of us I was able to put something back together and and it wasn't that that like they were doing the work for me, but they were asking me the hard questions that I needed to answer in order to move forward and saying to me, like, have you figured this out yet? Have you figured that out yet? And so I like sat there with my index cards and markers and whatever, and like it got done. And it was because I had Alethea and Monica there to just literally cheerlead me through that. And we, they, the two of them also got a lot of creative work done during that period as well. So yeah, it's, I don't think that I would have been able to put myself back together as quickly if I didn't have all of these people to lean on when I had that crisis. Cause it was a major artistic crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and so, yeah, like that's, that's been a big benefit for me because the other thing was, is that when I was going through that crisis, I probably would not have thought to ask other people to sort of shepherd me into, but because I was there with them and they could literally see me metaphorically sobbing in a corner. (laughs) Um, maybe it wasn't a metaphor. I was going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, But like, because they could see me, they were like, Tempest, come, come over here. We will help you. Like they, they were there to, to pick me up and not having to ask for help to just be given help. It was so powerful. And yeah, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't been there with them. I'm smiling so big. This is like a heartwarming episode that I really needed. Like I'm not, my heart is not warmed that you were sobbing in a corner, but like, (laughs) I'm so glad you have, I'm so glad you have this. That is amazing and beautiful and light needed in a world that does not feel great right now. And I'm, I'm really happy for you that you have that. Yeah, it's, it's great. And it's exactly the kind of thing that I wanted when I said to Monica, like, let's do this. But it's also has turned out much better than I had expected it to turn out. Um, as I said, I belong to a lot of sort of small groups, micro communities and whatnot, but this one, it like just operates so differently from a lot of the others that I belong to and has been like so important, especially at this time of my life. And it's really great also because I knew all of these women beforehand, but I know them in a different way now. And that makes me really happy. Um, and so, like, the th- then the thing that I want to do is be like, everybody go out and create some, you know, make art not work collectors of your own. 
I don't think you can call it Make Art Not War, but you can call it the Archive <laughs> Collective. Right. Um, <laughs> so how? How? That's hard. Um, <laughs> so as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, I, I definitely would say I, I'm not super into Slack anymore as a vehicle for, for group chats. And just because in, uh, of the way that like Slack is not built for the kind of group chatting that a lot of people are using it for. Like Slack was built as a business app, right? right? And they're very invested in getting you to pay money for things that I'm just like, I'm not paying money for that. Um, but one of the reasons why I had created a lot of Slacks for this purpose was because of the way that you can like tag people um, to alert them that you're actually speaking to them, um, that you can create the different channels and some of the channels can be private. You can also just have like private you know, instant messages between one other person or a couple other people. Um, so all those things I think are, are useful in that kind of community. But the tool that I use now, and if I were creating this collective today, I would use is actually Discord. Oh, really? Yeah. And in part because like Slack has this thing where every time you join a Slack, you have to create a new login and a new password yeah. because it's a new instance. And this confuses many people, right? They're yep. always just like, what is going on? Whereas with Discord, you know, you can belong to a lot of different Discord servers, but your login is the same. And you can have a different username in each of the different Discords, right? Uh, or at least it's like whatever name sort of visually appears when you're tagged. But um, you don't have to create a different login. And that, I think, is much easier for a lot of people to grasp because they're just like, when you, I, the number of times that I've created Slack and people are like, but I already have a Slack login. Why isn't it working? I'm like, ah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Discord also has voice channels um, because a lot of the group chats that I'm in, we do like to have video and voice chats going on. And so that's built into Discord. I still haven't used it that much. I tend to use um, Zoom and Google Hangouts for that more just because I have a Zoom account and I, it's one that I we use for our classes. So it's just there. So I'm like, might as well take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. But Discord does have that. Um, Discord's channel system, I think just works a little bit better. And... Um, the way that private messaging works, I, I like better in Discord because again, it's not dependent on what uh, server that you're in, what group you're in. It's just like in the app or in the system, you're just getting private messages from people. So anyway, so I would say like starting up a group where like you're in a Discord together um, and you, you know, create different channels for the different purposes um, because again, it's a little bit easier to like, subscribe to or get notifications from a channel or to not depending on if you really just don't want to deal with that um and yeah like just but basically the point is like finding a space that is accessible to everybody that you can all be there together and then picking the right people again this is it's there's a not there's a science to it i guess you could say um but you want to pick the pick people who are simpatico in some way um, and put them together. And, and then sometimes it means starting out small and then growing, but like all deciding together how you're going to grow. So, so those are the things that I would say. Um, but I did also ask like, 
the others, if they were sort of creating a collective or an artistic group or whatever, what advice they would give? Um, I think for me, the, the key thing for me was I wasn't looking at what people's goals were in their careers. I feel that um, a lot of groups, sometimes they try to align with what people want. Instead, I was looking at uh, compatibility of personality. Do these people cheer when something good happens to somebody else? Um, do these people have honest moments where imposter syndrome sets in? Or, you know, they can be honest about procrastination. Do they know themselves well enough to know, yes, I know when I'm procrastinating or, um, you know, maybe I need help in this particular area and I'm not afraid to ask for it. I think, I think that to me is more important because the thing that I've learned since, you know, forever and in a day is that sometimes your goals change and sometimes your life changes. Somebody gets sick, somebody dies, you move, you, you know, you get into a car accident, you break up with somebody and relationships shouldn't be built on career goals. And that's my personal feeling on it. Um, not everybody feels that way because as you grow in your career, you'll learn and get different perspectives from somebody. Certainly I've learned a lot from Alethea, who is, is a wicked storyteller. I mean, she's got a lot of experience there. Um, and then, you know, Stina's perspective as a, a veteran fantasist with her epic knowledge, uh, that was a little joke there, Stina. It was very dry, but epic <laughs> fantasist. There you go. Um, and then Shveta with her um, being very enthusiastic and the lens at which she sees the world and then Tempest for all of her hard and, you know, unpaid community work that she does. I mean, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I'm improved as a person and it's that benefits me and my career. It's not just, oh, hey, I got this another little check mark to put on, on my resume for, you know, whatever the case. I mean, that to me, that's got nothing to do with it. It's really about the people that you're hanging out with. So when you're looking for like-minded people, look at what they do. I mean, if they're telling you that they cheer for other people, but they really don't, like, I mean, that's very easy to see. You want to have people that are happy for, are genuinely happy when things go well. And when things go wrong, they will be there for you to help lift you up. That's the sort of thing that you want. Yeah, enthusiasm and optimism, definitely. I was at the very beginning part of a group that we called Wired Sisters, which I, I really liked. I I loved everybody in the group. Everyone was at different places. And there were three of us that were actually, our goals were concerning being professionals. And there were, occasionally there were people in the group that were more interested in, in doing writing as a hobby. And that brings a different energy to the group. And I, I just feel like it's good to have a joint focus in our, in our individual ways, if that makes sense. And for my part, I would agree with all of this. And I would add that one thing we don't suffer from is uh, competitiveness. Like nobody's success is a strike against anybody else. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have moments where you're like, oh man, I wish I were further along or wherever than I am. But that's not the same as saying like, hey, Alethea has great news today. You know, 
damn it, why don't I have great news? It's not like that at all. We're just happy when something happens. And and like Monica said, and sad when something bad happens for somebody else. And in my opinion, that's healthy and how it should be. And that's what makes this group so nice. Honestly, I think there's a whole episode in creative spaces and competition that we need we need to have because I feel like there's there's a problem there with a lot of spaces. That is true. But also, it might be a good idea to have an episode about the ways in which some competitive spaces can be useful. Mm-hmm. Because there's something to be said about people who specifically come together to push each other forward, right? And even though, like, like the kind of stuff that we're doing in our group is nurturing and therefore, like, is is furthering our artistic goals. Um, I know that there have been some groups where, like, a little bit of competitiveness, like, friendly competitiveness has been really beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, an episode where we talk about the the differences between that and what it is that makes that difference. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, would be really good. So, yeah, so start thinking about, like, people who we can ask to come and talk about those two things because, yeah, that would be super interesting. Yeah, for sure. But, yes, I just, I love that we all recognize what it is that makes this group work and we can apply it to other groups, but also use it to sort of gauge whether or not other groups of people are people that we want to invest ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, that self-awareness, I think, is very critical to this whole thing. Uh, and, and we've all developed it. And I think that that's why we were able to so easily come together, because not only do we all have a degree of self-awareness to like what kind of people we want to be around and what kind of people we don't. Um, it also made it easy for each of us to recognize the folks that we didn't know and but that they were cut from the same cloth as it were um and also to to think, well, this person over here has brought this person in the group, and I trust that person so I can extend my trust to this other person um, yeah, so it's like it's just all bound up in trusted understanding and being being able to judge those things for yourself and if you can't judge those things for yourself which some people really can't and that's actually fine like there's there's no knock on it being able to have one or two people who you trust who do have that good sense of other people to say like actually no leave that person over there alone they're the worst you can't tell but they are the worst right. but this person over here is really great they may be shy and whatnot, but they're super awesome and you should get to know them better. Yeah. How cool. I'm excited. I'm glad for you. Thank you. So yeah, it's like I said, this has been one of the the best group experiences that I have ever had. I'm really happy about it. And I'm also just really happy that I have a lot of different micro communities that I can draw on and that having them made it possible for me to recognize what's really great about this group too. Um, I mean, I don't stay in micro communities for long. If I'm like, these people are mostly terrible. I just run away. So like all the micro communities that I'm in at the moment are all ones that are wonderful in their different ways. But I think that it's only because I was, you know, 
in them or had some experience with them that I was able to recognize what I had in this group. So you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you, before you find your right micro community. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes. So, um, so yeah, but before we, we end, I just want to remind everybody that, um, you should all be on the lookout for all the people who are in our group. Um, we will have in the show notes, their websites and their social media profiles and their Patreons if they have them. Um, and, you know, aside from me being in a really great group with them and getting to know them, they all produce amazing work, all of them. Um, I can't, like, you know, with Alethea, I pretty much fell in love with her um, fairy tale stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff she does is based off of fairy tales, but like specifically like the woodcutter family stuff. I just fell in love with her world because of her enthusiasm about it and how deeply she understands the fairy tale, like the, what fairy tales do. She just understands that on such a deep level and it comes out really well in her writing. Um, also, she's just like the kindest, funniest person. And Monica has so much experience in the games industry and I don't play that many games. And so I don't always understand like what it is that she does, but then I just see like the hard work that she puts into everything that she is involved in. And that to me is just really amazing. But also I, and I think that she's like a very underrated fiction writer, but her fiction is just as amazing as the work that she has done on games. And it's always like fun for me to like see her in spaces where people have played her games or they have, um, uh, they have access to like some of her other gaming writing. Like she did, um, an encyclopedia for Firefly. I think it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's Firefly and her, and, and I saw somebody recently like geek out at her over how much they love that encyclopedia and how much they appreciated all the work that she did on it. Um, it was well-deserved. And, uh, with Shveta, um, I have read part of Star Daughter and the part that I read, I loved, I loved a lot. And that was actually an earlier draft. So I have not seen the final draft. I am waiting because I plan to like wave that arc at everybody I meet and be like, do you know about this book? Please know about this book. Because, you know, she's just, she's bringing something that, that is not often seen in fantasy um, to the world with Star Daughter, which is very important, but also just like for people to know what a beautiful person she is. Like, I can't wait for more people to be able to just see that um, in her uh, through like her presence in places and her writing. And with Stina, we have known each other actually for, for quite a long time, but we haven't always known each other well. But the thing that has always impressed me about her is just like this determination to be better at everything that she tries to do in all spheres, you know, not just in writing. And her epic stuff, her epic fantasies are just, they're the epicness. They're the epic-est, epic <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> uh, and, and I just love it. I, I love th- the passion that she has for that form because then I feel like that is what makes for really great fantasy when you have a passion for it. It's what makes for great anything, right? Um, so yeah, I just, I want everybody to know 
about all of these women. I want you all to know how wonderful they are. So yes, please visit the show notes, go and, and search them out on the internet and follow them and read their stuff. And, and then I think that you will love them almost as much as I love them. Well, I think that's an episode. Hooray. Hooray. Tempest, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on the Twitter a little bit. <laughs> uh, my Twitter name is Tiny Tempest. Uh, you can also join my Facebook group because I do not interact with Facebook in a normal way. So friending me on Facebook does not actually do anything. But my Facebook group is called Tempest in a Teapot. And I believe that if you just search that on Facebook, you will find it. Uh, but if you go to my website, ktempestbradford.com, there are links to all those things. And there's also my blog. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash ktempestbradford, in which there will eventually be things. There are actually going to be more things in the immediate future. Um, yes. Yeah, so those are the various places in which you can find and follow me. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Aline. That's A-L-E-E-N. My personal blog is at AlineMean.com. And my business is AppLaunchMap.com. And you can find the show on Twitter as well. It's Originality FM. And, well, that's about it. (laughs) I think uh, that's all for this time. Um, Until next time, find a group, a small group of people you can trust. Goodbye.